Welcome to the Plan Vision Podcast, where we share simple, straightforward investment and planning ideas for normal people. The description in this podcast is for informational purposes only. Do not construe this as personal tax, financial, or legal advice for your situation. Hey there, this is Mark Sorrell with the Plan Vision Podcast. I'm back with Jason Lynch. And Jason and I are going to talk about some investment tax strategy techniques, which would be getting a lot of attention from investors here in the States and even potentially Americans abroad in light of the fact that the markets are down tremendously from their highs. And these are things uh, that investors can give some consideration to. So hi there, Jason. How are you doing today, Mark? Good, good. Um, So let's talk about um, a taxable brokerage account. And uh, that is an account that's not an IRA. It's not a 401k. It's um, just a brokerage account that people have their after-tax savings in to accumulate additional funds for retirement. There's the idea of what's known as tax loss harvesting or TLH or tax gain harvesting, TGH. Can you first of all talk about what is tax loss harvesting? Sure. So tax loss harvesting, um, as as we all know, is you have your taxable brokerage account. If you suffer a uh, paper loss, that is that the value of your investment declined, you could sell it for, uh, exchange it from one, say, mutual fund to another mutual fund that is not a substantially identical fund. And what you would do is pick up the capital loss and you'd be able to use it on your tax return for that year. You could you would have to wait at least 30 days to go back to your original investment to avoid what's termed the wash sales rule. If you move in or out within 30 days of changing your investment and you acquire substantially the same Mm -hmm. investment, then uh, your loss would not be allowed. You would only get the loss when you sell your investment in total. Okay. So I have invested in a fund and um, I put in $10,000 in the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund and now it's down to Mm 6,000. I can sell that. I now have a capital loss of $4,000. Exactly. And so what on my taxes? What does that mean for me on my taxes? So if that were the only activity that you had capital gain or loss wise, you have 4,000 to use on your tax return because you have no other capital gain, you actually would deduct $3,000 on your tax return for this year. That additional thousand is a a capital loss carry forward to the following tax year. And then it could be used to offset any capital gain. Okay. So what is a, so is a loss something that I need to invest in for more than 12 months? Or if I put the money in six months ago and it went down by 4,000, can I still have my capital loss? Sure. And, and in fact, at that point, it would be a short-term capital loss. And the character, of course, varies if you're short-term or long-term capital loss. The, the area to be careful of is if you only hold an investment for less than 60 days and mm-hmm. there's a qualified dividend distribution. If you don't hold it for more than 60, 60 days, you, <clears throat> you lose the capital 
or the qualified gains, qualified, qualified dividend character, mm-hmm. and it you reported as an ordinary dividend, which okay. would be at, at your regular tax rate. Okay, so that's, I guess, a situation where I get a dividend, but I'm, I'm changing the the tax circumstance of that dividend because I sold it too soon. Exactly. So if you were trying to do a TLH and let's say we move out of the total stock market fund into mm-hmm. the S&P fund mm-hmm. yep. and you hold it for 35 days and then you move back into the, the total stock market fund. If the S&P fund had kicked out a dividend while you were holding it, even though it would be deemed generally a qualified distribution mm-hmm. or qualified dividend, dividend. Thank you. A qualified dividend on your tax return, you would have to report it as ordinary because you only held it for less than 60 days. Okay. It, that's my, out in the weeds a bit, Yeah, but you got to be aware of it. Yeah. Okay. Back to my question about the, um, the sick, the holding it for six months, yes. I sell it. It's mm-hmm. a short term loss. Short-term capital loss. Yeah, sure. So, I, can I? Rep- uh, is that not reportable in the same way as a long-term? Or a- well, a short-term capital loss is actually more favorable <clears throat> because if you have short-term capital gains, long-term capital gains, the your short-term capital loss will first offset short-term capital gains, which are taxed at your I- order, at your normal tax rate. If there's any leftover capital losses, they would get netted against any long-term capital gains. If you still have losses remaining, mm-hmm. you take 3000 on your tax return. And then if you again have any remaining, yep. you would carry it forward. But now that short-term loss that you had mm-hmm. has changed its character to long-term capital loss, which means next year, let's say you have long-term capital yep. gains and now you have short-term capital gains. Your, care, your capital loss carry forward became long-term capital gain character or long-term capital loss, long-term losses. That would offset your long-term capital gains. Now you have no losses to offset short-term capital gains, which effectively get taxed now at your ordinary income tax yeah. rate. Okay. And that's the future year. So some different moving parts here. So A lot of moving parts, but, yeah. but to, to bring it back, your, you can take the capital loss and you net it against your capital gains. If you have excess, you take 3000 on your tax return. Mm-hmm. And then if you have more excess, you carry it forward okay. to the following year. So I'm clear here. I have a $100,000 capital loss, which mm-hmm. some people, and it might be extreme, but some people might be experiencing that. Sure. I have a $100,000 capital loss and I have it this year. And I have no other capital gains to offset them with. And so what I do is I, I just deal with it. I take my $3,000. So next year, I have a $97,000 capital loss. Yes. And then next year, I have a $97,000 capital gain. Can I still mm-hmm. use my loss against that gain? You, you net it off. Okay. You, you net it off one-to-one, yes. Okay. All yep. right. There's no limitation. Okay. So that's tax loss harvesting, the idea that, well, let, let me finish that thought then. So in any given year, if you have, let's say, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever the number is of tax loss harvests, mm-hmm. it might 
it is advisable, I guess, to try to uh, set those off against tax gains as well. True. It it depends on on each individual situation is unique. However, yeah. if you have the ability to pick up ten or twenty or thirty or or fifty grand or a hundred grand worth of capital losses, what you're doing is the government is basically giving you a loan that you're using to offset. Now, when you take that capital loss, your basis in the new asset is the lower number. So the theory is when you do sell it, you'll have a larger capital gain than you otherwise would have. You got to keep an eye too on the future. What will yep. capital gains be in the future? Will they revert back to yeah. ordinary? I mean, th there's a lot of moving parts, but if you can sure. grab um, capital loss at your ordinary income tax rate, you know, three grand a year you can do or uh, to offset. Yeah, some a capital gain. But but is it not? I mean, just so I understand this, if I have a $30,000 capital loss and a $30,000 capital gain, my gain, if I realize it, is wiped out. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. All right. Yep. And, and um, a short-term capital loss wipes out a short-term capital gain? Yes, if you have okay. short-term capital gains. Yeah. If okay. you if you don't, then you can use you would use it to wipe out the long-term capital gains. Yeah. So tax gain harvesting. We should have some... talked about this two months ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so tax gain harvesting is the idea that you sell something at a mm -hmm. gain. Right. And but I wouldn't do that if I was working and I. You know, I had normal income because that's going to be kind of expensive. Exactly. Right? Your, your tax bracket would drive the ability to take advantage of, of tax gain harvesting, TGH. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, well, go ahead. No. Yeah. So I, I suppose the idea of tax gain harvesting in this situation right now is simply something that could be potentially used by, by an investor that has some losses and has some gains because I mean a lot of these people have been investing for years. They're they're mm -hmm. you know they're not below water on their investments. Right. But maybe now's an opportunity for them to realize some of those gains and start fresh. Is that true? With their that is true. Okay. There, there's there's two main ways to do the the tax gain harvesting. Uh, the one way that we're talking about now is you have losses that you can harvest, and you actually have some gains. Maybe you want to get out of a a long-term stock you've been holding and you just have been unwilling to pull the trigger because you don't want to incur capital gains. Well, if you have losses in another area of your portfolio, you can go ahead and, and, and net yeah. those together. Okay. Okay. So that's fine. But a more uh, sophisticated way of, of, of TGH, let's say that I'm, on a, I'm retired, semi-retired, I can manage my income during the year I know I'm going to be collecting Social Security in the future. I know I'm going to collect a pension in the future. Uh, maybe I'm getting a payout, a buy down of an old of an of a business I own. But mm -hmm. for the next couple of years, maybe I've got low income. Well, if I manage it right, I could sell and be at a zero percent capital yeah. gain rate. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so that's one way you're you're harvesting at a much lower yeah capital right. gains rate. Yeah. Okay. 
So let's move on to the next question. And um, this is the Roth conversion idea. And is this a good mm -hmm. time to convert money to a Roth? So here's the setting for those that are listening. If you've been thinking about converting your money from an, a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, the idea is when you do the conversion, you pay the taxes at that time. Yes. And so if you... Uh, if, if, the, if the value of your IRA is, for example, $100,000, and let's say you're retired or you're just not making a lot of money, then when you do the conversion, you have to report that $100,000 as taxable income, correct? That is correct. Yes. Okay. So I got this question from a client. <laughs> Kevin, I know you're listening. I got this question. I said, oh, because I was dense. I'm a dense at times, right? So I said to Kevin, um, it doesn't really matter if the market's down, you know, what difference does it make? It turns out I was wrong. And fortunately his wife was badgering him to pester me about this. So I, I kind of <laughs> rethought the whole thing. Anyways. Yeah. So if you have a, if you're going to do a conversion and you believe that your the value of your investment will go up in time mm -hmm. when you do your conversion from a hundred, or let's say if, if the value goes from a hundred thousand of your IRA down to let's say 60 mm -hmm. and you do your conversion, you've just saved yourself some money in taxes, true? Very true, very true. Because- I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. With well, 100,000 balance of your traditional IRA, if your long-term planning included, look, I, I do wanna move it from traditional character to a Roth. I wanna mm -hmm. do a Roth conversion, but I'm not sure when, and maybe I'll do a little bit every year while I can, because especially in light of the new secure tax, yeah. Inher uh, sure. inherited IRA rules. So maybe it's at the forefront of your mind, but again, you don't want to pay taxes on a hundred grand yep. this year. And then today we wake up and, and I look at my account and I got a $40,000 loss over the past or a $40,000 decline, decline yep. down to 60. Now, if I pull the trigger, I'm only reporting 60 grand of tax and under current law, that will never be taxed again. Yeah. Okay, under current law. Good qualifier well, there. Qualifier, yeah. always. Yeah. So if I do that Roth conversion, and I don't know if this is an easy answer or not not an easy answer. So I, well, before I ask it, so the point is, this is really worth a look for some of those people that are thinking about doing this. Okay. Clearly, yes. Yep. Okay. The second question, okay, well, now it's, Jan it's, it's, it's um, what is it now, middle of March. I'm okay. going to do my Roth conversion. It's 60, 100,000, 150. And so I convert the whole thing. Mm -hmm. What, how do I make tax payments on that? Do I do them quarterly or do I do them next January or next uh, first quarter next year? Yep. Good question. So under, under the tax law now, there's what we call a safe Harbor. The safe Harbor is to avoid paying an underpayment penalty for not paying in enough tax. Okay. So to put numbers in it, let's say your 2019 AGI, adjusted gross income, okay. was under 150000 if married filing joint. Okay. And if you pay 90% of the, of the tax shown on the 2019 tax return or more, then during 2020, you will not have an underpayment penalty come April of 2021 for the Roth conversion. So let me make sure. So if I paid 90% of what was on last year's tax. Yes. <laughs> um, 
so let's say I made 300,000 last year, but now I'm retired. Okay. Right. And so okay. I'm not making really any, I'm living off cash or something. Sure. Okay. So in that case, in 2020, before the conversion, we're projecting a much lower income. Last year, your AGI was over 150,000. It was 300. So to avoid an underpayment penalty, you would have to pay either 110% of the tax from the previous year if your AGI was over uh, 300 or over 150,000. Or um, actually, that's not a good example because we had such a large income last year and hardly any this year. Yeah, so yeah. you would want to you would want to pay up to to you know basically a hundred percent of your the tax that would be due. Okay, so what Let's we're go. saying so what you're saying is if I do the seventy five thousand dollar conversion, I just calculate what my expected tax would be, mm -hmm. and I pay that each quarter. You could pay it each quarter if you had the ability. If you're taking, if you have a W-2 or if, or if you have a 1099, a distribution, if you have the federal tax and state tax withheld, mm -hmm. oh, you could wait that, to the yeah. end of the year because they treat that as having it, uh, that you've been paying it throughout the year. Okay. If you don't have that ability, if you're not working, as you mentioned, you're retired and you're not withdrawing from your, from your retirement plans, then you would have to make quarterly payments. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, great. Thanks, uh, Jason. I appreciate your time. And, um, you know, I guess we didn't, I didn't expect to have to have this conversation about a month ago, but it certainly mm -hmm. is worth talking about now. Yep. My pleasure. All right. All right. Have a good evening. You too. Hey, this is Mark again with a quick follow-up with Jason. Uh, Jason gave me some updated news about uh, the tax filings for April 15th. What is that, Jason? Yes, we, we just got big news that uh, Treasury has extended the April 15th tax payment deadline by 90 days. So what that means is if a taxpayer owed less than a million dollars, or a business owes less than $10 million, normally they would have to pay it by April 15th to avoid penalty and interest, mm -hmm. underpayment penalty and interest. However, Treasury just released the news, we're given a 90-day extension, which means that you would have until July 15th to make that payment, as long as you're an individual owe less than a million dollars or a business owing less than $10 million, mm -hmm. like a C-Corp, you have 90 days to make that payment without being penalized. So um, I, are my taxes due, my forms? No. You still have to file an extension by April 15th. Oh, you file your extension. Okay. But you don't have to send a payment with it. Sure. That's the, the, the key. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Hey, do you know if you're due to get money back? If that will come back on time. Uh, right now, they're, they're not saying that they're going to delay any refunds. In okay. fact, they, right. they've refunded a lot of money. So if you have a refund, then make you sure you get your K-1s in hand and then file your taxes. All right. Thanks again, Jason. You're welcome.
Thank you for listening to the Plan Vision Podcast. Let us know if you have any questions or comments on the topics covered.